Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Oh, man. What kind of evening this was. It's like I lost half the day. Well, you know, that just comes with being responsible and doing the right thing as a uh, ripening 34-year-old walking this crazy-ass earth we live in this day and age, 2021. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> at least I'm out and about right now, and I feel as though like I ain't really missing much because uh, I have everything well in plan. So, you know. At the end of the day, we'll discuss some legendary beasts, and we'll go ahead and we'll talk about some wild things, not to mention stuff that happening right here, but why am I giving you guys a preloader? Because it's time to get started, because welcome to the J-Man Show here on K360 Radio. What's going on, J360 Legion? How are you all doing tonight? Welcome back to the J-Man Show for episode 222. Hoo-ha! We getting there, folks. Soon enough, we're going to be at 300. And man, you know, I get to go ahead and do all of the cool Spartan jokes that, you know, were past it one time. And, you know, I would go ahead and use one right now, but uh, nah, I'd rather you guys anticipate it. I'd rather you guys feel it. Like, you know, sometimes those bad puns I throw. Then again, I don't want y'all to get used to those because they hurt me, man. You know, when you get about a certain age, you start feeling like acid reflux, and boy, I tell you, <laughs> them puns can get it. It ain't about the food that you eat. It's, sometimes it's a real, real bad jokes you throw. But yeah, like, um, and not a moment too late, here I am back on the show that started it all, and I'm telling you, man, like, I love doing this series, and I love doing the all of the J360 shows, but you know, the J-Man show is just like a good pair of shoes, you know? It's just like... It feels so good to be here. It's like home, and as it should be. But yeah, like uh, it is the Monster Fest again, and I'm gonna tell you. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That, that's weird. I guess the lightning only works when it wants to. But you know, it is what it is. But yeah, once again, it is the Monster Fest, and we'll be covering uh, quite a bit of things for the remainder of this event. Now, I know, like, a lot of people have been wondering, is there a Halloween special? And like I covered in the mini bites, in case you didn't see it, you know, yes, you are knee-deep in the Halloween event. And if anything else, like, I'll be covering different things. And you noticed, uh, speaking of which, I still have a bit of a backlog. I got some reviews to throw you guys some way, because um, I managed to find a couple of movies that weren't on the initial Monster Fest list. And... 
they were pretty decent to watch. I mean, for me, per se. See, uh, a common misconception is, like, when I do these things, it's not necessarily to tell you whether the movie's bad or not. It's also to let you know whether it's watchable. The most important thing is about whether it's watchable, because when it gets right down to it, in honor of the J-Man show episode 10, it's not about whether it's good for me. (laughs) It's about whether you guys want to partake in it. You know what I'm saying? Because we all have different mindsets and different point of views and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with everybody exercising it every so often, especially in the things that we consume. So, like, when it gets right down to it, a real monster would be the one that tells you what to do and tries to run your life and all that kind of stuff. That's a real monster. <laughs> but, you know, if you just take a, take a bit of self-control and you really look over, like, some of the stuff that you want to look into. Like I said before, Amazon Prime is about due for some hits. And it has some keywords some but the ones that i saw it really brought back the charm of like watching sci-fi on saturday like it's not gonna be an a-list movie but then again what is an a-list movie nowadays because all of them are having an existential crisis right now after what scorsese said and after what uh dennis um Venelou said, even though at the same time you'll realize that Scorsese does have some accolades, whereas I never heard of Dennis Venelou until this uh, remake of Dune started to come. You know? And, and then even then, they like try to act like Frank Herbert had nothing to do with Dune. And you know Frank Herbert, don't you? The guy who wrote the whole damn mythology? Well, at least the first book, you know? Because everything else, like... No, he had a hand in Children of Dune, too. But also, I think his son or grandson worked on the rest of them along with somebody else. Either way, it's like, you know, that franchise is huge. And I know that this movie that's coming, while beautiful visually, is not going to cover everything that went on in that book. So, and I hope that it does well, because I, I love to see a sequel to it. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the plan. Don't correct me if, you know, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if you will. But I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think there's there's definitely going to be, like, at least a two-movie set. And it deserves that. But, hey, as I delve into the real world, I got to get back into the folklore world here because I managed to find a few things. Now, I'm not going to throw any nightmare tales to you tonight, but what we're going to do exactly is look at some of these monsters that allegedly have been rummaging around in our territory And you see, the most one that everybody knows about is Bigfoot. You know, because they say, like, uh, Bigfoot's out there in the wilderness. He shows up whenever he wants to show up. The missing link between man and animal. Primate itself, you know? And you know what, now that I think about it, if you ask me of my overall opinion of Bigfoot is real, I would say he is. I mean, granted, he's going through global warming like everybody else is. (laughs) And de-evolution is really taking its center with uh, the human race in general. I mean, the race to the bottom is so easy these days. I mean, you know, instead of just reaching to do great things, there's always something there that wants to set you back. But, yeah, I I really do think Bigfoot is real. And then, like, there's, like, multiple different kinds. It's just not one Bigfoot, though. You understand what I'm saying? There's multiple different variations of Bigfoot. You know, the one that lives up there in the far north. But guess what? You know, the polar ice caps are melting, so he has to come down here. And who's to say that evolution didn't take center stage to go ahead and turn him into adapting to the warmer climates of things? I'm just giving you things to think about. You understand what I'm saying? Now, the most famous one that is around here in Delaware's region is called the Shelby Swamp Monster. And I mentioned that before. 
Like, um, you know, I even posted a picture of them on, um, on the gram. And you see, the thing about it is, it's like out there in the Great Cypress Swamp. And they said that it was something that was really devastating throughout the 1920s and the 1930s. And they did not know how to anticipate what was coming out of the swamp. But you see, like, it was such a big legend at the time, especially around here in the local territories, that someone who worked for the newspaper decided to get a little piece of the action. So he had his buddy dress up as a swamp monster and rummage through, like, parts of um, Cypress Swamp on Route 54. So people were like, oh, my God, it's there, and all that kind of stuff. So they made a big hoax out of it. And allegedly it went on for, like, um, let's see, it went on for, like, what, 10 years or so, I want to say. But, you know, it, it happened in, like, 1987. So, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I won't even reveal the guy's name, but his name, the guy who actually created the hoax, his name was uh, Ralph uh, Grapperhaus. He was, yep, an editor of Delmarvin News. He claimed that he created it in the 19, wow, the 1960s. And then his buddy revealed himself in 1987. And he said he stopped after a few months, but hunts for the creature became more apparent, so he feared for his life, so they stopped. But at the same time, when they spoke about it, they did not cover any of the actions that took place in the early 1900s. So, you know, and, and to me, myself, like, Cypress Swamp is huge. Like, I remember being there a few times. It's huge, it's creepy, you can hear all sorts of sounds coming out of it, like, for real. And I don't mean, like, just the normal nature sounds, like, you really can hear some inhumane stuff going on in there. So, there's, there's something out there that's happening. But hey, maybe me and the missus could go hunt it sometime later in the future, you know what I'm saying? But that'd be crazy to see. But then again, I don't know. I mean, much like that creepy house that's not too far from where I live, uh, uh, sometimes it's best to just leave some things alone. I mean, because at the end of the day, like, would you want a whole lot of people invading your space and ruining up your uh, special territories and stuff? You know what I mean? And then there's a reason why this monster is here, and it doesn't need me to go ahead and unearth it. And uh, I'm just thinking about that. Because, yeah, I remember somebody asking, hey, you know, you should go to the creepy house and, and get, get, get some views. And I'm like, no. No, I'm not going over there because as far as I'm concerned, that person was doing just fine before I even drew attention to it. And, you know, like for somebody who actually kind of tried to do the hermit lifestyle when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, hmm. No, no, not at all. I went through a lot of phases growing up. Let's just say that <laughs> good phases, though. Okay, now, this is another big thing. It's called lying and... <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild if it's called lying? Nah, this is the start of... That's a weird way to start a paragraph, though. But the monster is called the Swanendale Merman. And they say inside of the Swanendale Museum in Lewis, Delaware, is a merman. A foot... Let's see, a foot-long mummified creature arrived in Lewis in the 1800s as a present to the Lewis family from a sea captain. The merman has a fishtail, human-like arms, and a screaming humanoid head topped with white hair. A thing of local legend, they say it most likely is a hoax. They say that the Division of Cultural and Historical Affairs in Delaware said that the merman was created in mid-19th century China using a shrunken monkey head, 
fish hair ivory glass oak stain varnish and dye and this is according to an article in the wilmington news journal you mean the damn delaware news journal don't you that's usually what it's called but then again shoot they you know that's the that's the thing about north delaware isn't it they just act like the rest of it doesn't exist even though it's the smallest damn state get over yourselves well not the smallest but you know second smallest and let's see or is it a sea captain wouldn't lie, would he? Well, you see, once again, like, um, if that's the case about it, then why the hell is it in a museum and all that stuff? You know, like, I believe that there is something that lives out there in the water, too. Like, we're not the only ones that live on Earth, if you get my drift. Like, all sorts of wild stuff occur out, out there, and I don't see, like, but I mean, I've been here for a very long time. And I've never heard them talk about the merman as, like, a real thing. And this is news to me out of this book here. But it's just interesting. I need to go ahead and pop by there sometime and go ahead and take a look at it. If I ever get out of doing my J360 duties. And then, of course, they said that, you know, Bigfoot... This is actually one of Bigfoot's stomping grounds. And they said that Delaware and Hawaii are not the only states in the Union. Well, they said that they were the only states in the Union that... Hmm, no. No, no, that's not true at all. There's no way. Because you know why? Because Delaware State News would have talked about this for a long time. They would have ran on it because they always try to find something to latch on to. And I don't know, I had a little bit of an internship with them. But let's just say this. Like, um, okay, so they say Delaware can't say that they didn't have a Bigfoot sighting anymore. There's been three alleged encounters, all in Sussex County in the southeastern part of the state which have reported to the Bigfoot Field Research Organization in recent years. A college student at Delaware Technical Community College in Georgetown was driving home on a back road from a night class in January 2004 when he saw something that he didn't believe existed. As he pulled up to a stop sign, the student noticed a figure standing next to a utility pole staring out into a patch of forest, thinking it was a man. He turned off his high beams and kept driving. As he approached the figure, he noticed its imminent size, about eight feet tall, and the thing was covered in thick black hair. When the figure turned its crest head to look at the car, it casually turned back towards the woods as if the car didn't matter. Terrified, the driver sped away as quickly as possible. Okay, well, here's the second instance. A woman returning from vacation with her family in August 2010 saw the head and shoulders of a Bigfoot creature standing over the corn in a field. No one else saw the creature. Okay, Uh, the third one is a couple had just returned home from the grocery store in November 2012, heard a tremendous scream, followed by a series of knocks of wood on wood from a patch of trees behind their house. The sun had set about an hour before the couple said that they saw nothing, but they were convinced that a Bigfoot was near the house. A Bigfoot in Delaware? Could be. Who wrote this damn thing? All right, look, so here's a a few things, okay? I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, but at the same time, I just realized, like, this area in Georgetown here, I remember growing up around there, there was a lot of wooded areas there. And usually there's a lot of people back there cutting up wood for one of the lumber areas that are nearby. So chances are, like, you know, you could hear, like, some of the stuff being chopped down. And then, you know, like, one of the guys out there yelling and arguing all the time. There's, like, lots of noises that come from that area. So especially with with that. 
Now, the cornfield little thing, that might be true. But there's a lot of hunters over there, too. So, could have been a hunter, like, wearing a whole bunch of stuff, you know. And then, like, let's see, over here for the back road over at the community college. Why the hell would you ride on that damn death trap to begin with? I used to go there. I, I, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, yeah, like, um, oh, man, it is pitch black dark over there, though. Especially if they're not having, like, a baseball game that's happening. Because without those lights, like, it, it really, really is dark. So you could have seen anybody. But at the same time, though, like, when I look at this, at a utility pole, and if it's that utility pole that's near the Hardee's, then I know he could have seen anybody over there because there's always somebody on that utility pole. Don't ask why. It just usually is. And, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it could have been anything up there. Could it have been a Bigfoot, though? Mm, nah. Because you know why? Because, like, the way that whole thing's um put together... There's also Route 13, like, right there, and, no, not Route 13, Route 113, like, right over there, and, like, if he saw it, then I'm sure there's some other people that have seen it, too, because that road is always busy, so, eh, it's not about debunking the stuff, keep in mind, okay, it's just about what's plausible and what's not, especially, like, with me knowing, like, what goes on in my state, you know, I kind of do, but wait until I move and I don't know what the hell goes on. (laughs) <laughs> little did you realize J-Man can adapt but anyway you know that's kind of like what we have over here because like I said if anything you know Delaware has its moments but Delaware's always been kind of self-contained but hey you know here's a here's one that's allegedly real though it's over in Florida and it's called the St. Augustine Monster okay so let's read up about that in 1986 beachgoers at St. Augustine found something hideous on the sand, a corpse. The unidentified mess of a creature, quickly called the St. Augustine Monster, was an 18 by 8, 18 by 10 foot blob that smelled worse than the skunk ape. Scientists declared this beast most probably from the deepest depths of the ocean to be a giant octopus or a squid. You know, a kraken. This is the first verified occurrence of a globster. An unidentified organic mass that washed up on the seashore, according to the Smithsonian Institutional Archives. Although modern analysis of the monster in 1995 showed it may be the remains of a sperm whale. No one knows for sure what the St. Augustine monster was. Well, once again, there's a lot of cryptoids that live down there, and not to mention, like, all sorts of sea monsters. We have yet to even see where the first megalodon would be. Now, I think that bastard would probably wash up on California somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised. You know? I mean, considering, like, all the radiation that's floating around there, and not to mention, like, some of the cryptoids that are probably waking up (laughs) now because of what's going on with the Earth, one good um, earthquake would go ahead and rumble, and then go ahead and make that thing wake right up. And then, knowing you couldn't swim anywhere anymore, yup, he'd be right there, ripe to eat. Now, don't worry about no Nessie. Worry about Megalodon. Now, that would be wild. But you know what, though? They say Georgia has some, too. And this is called the Altamaha. The Altamaha River, uh, pardon me if I'm saying that wrong, stretches to 137 miles through the center of the state until it empties in the Atlantic Ocean near Brunswick. It pours the third largest amount of fresh water into the Atlantic from the United States. It's also home to a beast known as the Amahaha, 
looking like a cross between a sturgeon, a crocodile, and a seal. This 30-foot-long monster is often seen near the city of Darin by fishermen and swimmers. Why would you swim in a river with a monster? Well, I gotta eat too, shit. Pardon my French. Uh, Darin was found in 1736 by people who have their own stories of a water monster. Scotsman from Inverness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Georgia is also the home for a hogzilla, too. Allegedly. But here's the thing. The Almahaha gained national notice in 1981 when a newspaper publisher saw the beast while fishing. He reported as two humps, five feet apart, that were moving as fast as a speedboat. And after that, other stories of monster sightings began hitting the press, such as the 1970s tale of a 20-foot-long creature with the head of a snake and another of an underwater creature that caused boats to bob in its wake. Well, that could be anything. But these sightings were not the first. Where the Omaha River dumps into the ocean, a sea captain saw a 70-foot-long creature, a circumference about that of a sugar hogshead. According to the April 18, 1830s Savannah, Georgian newspaper, the creature held its alligator-like head eight feet out of water before it sank back into the depths. Hmm. Now, is it plausible or not? That could be. Could be. But, you know something? Hmm. I wonder how that thing would taste with a set of hush puppies. Look, 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 look. See, as we are getting close to the end of days and things, I'm always trying to figure out what would be the best way to go ahead and cope. And sometimes the best way is, what are we going to be eating? And, you know, like, uh, a lot of y'all freak out at the concept of eating roaches and, you know, any sort of, like, crickets and all that kind of stuff. But you got to understand, you see, these little grubs and things like that, they're protein. And there's one thing that Timon and Pumbaa got right in The Lion King you know what? Slimy yet satisfying. And if it's the last thing to eat, we have to adapt and work on eating that stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Especially if the agriculture goes down. But then again, if the agriculture goes down, wouldn't the grubs go down too? Hmm. Anyway, look. I'm just thinking in the post-apocalyptic way. It's not saying that I'm advocating eating bugs. Though at the same time, I ain't saying no. <laughs> at least I'm having dinner. Well, you having Anyway, this one's pretty cool. This is called Hogzilla. Okay, the legend started in 2004 when hunting guide Chris Griffin. That's that, too easy. Moving on. Chris Griffin said he shot a wild hog in the Georgia woods. He claimed that the beast was 12 foot long and weighed more than 1,000 pounds. He shot it, lifted the body with a backhoe, and a buddy snapped the picture and the internet went wild. All thoughts were running through my head and I was thinking... I'm going to take a shot at this animal, Griffin said to ABC News. Labeled a hoax by many national, by many, National Geographic enlisted a pig geneticist, a wildlife ecologist, and a pig behavior specialist to test the animal. Hogzilla was real. Although not 1,000 pounds, the wild boar slash domestic pig hybrid weighed 800 pounds. Hogzilla left the world, especially the small town of Alfalfa, where the, let's see, Alpha, Alpha, damn it, <laughs> Al, Alafafa, where the beast was shot. With two things to consider. One, where did Hogzilla come from? National Geographic couldn't figure that one. And two, are there more out there? I bet you there are. Although not a thousand pounds, 800 
pounds is still awfully big for a dangerous monster roaming the nearby woods. Well, you see, you gotta figure, like, uh, what else is, what else goes on in Georgia? You know? Because they got some pretty interesting woods out there. And then when you think about it, like, I wouldn't be surprised. If you manage to catch this one, I guarantee there's probably a bigger one that's out there. You know what I'm saying? Probably would, um, a set of not just two tusk, but four tusk. And it's just waiting to think that, you know what? I'm going to gouge the first human I see for killing my son. You know what I'm saying? Mama's probably out there somewhere worried about that poor unfortunate boar hybrid. So, you know, little things like that. I'm just thinking, is it plausible? Well, according to this, Hogzilla was real. But if you guys ever do like a follow-up or a check on some of these things to see if some of these things are real, please do. I'd like to hear it sometime. Okay, and this one is called Beaver Shark. I can do so many bad jokes with that. You know what? Since we talked, since we just mentioned it, might as well go ahead and talk about it. This three-foot creature is a local legend of Pine Mountain. Oh, okay. Sometimes reported to have the head of a beaver and the body of a shark, and other times to have the head of a shark and the body of a beaver. The beaver shark swims in the lakes of Callaway Gardens, preferring deeper water where it feeds on fish and turtles. Although it is occasionally seen near shores to take bites out of swimming children. According to article in the Lake Destination Linear Magazine, it was used as a warning to youth at local summer camps. The beaver shark makes most of its appearances in places where souvenirs are sold. Okay, well, you know what? I got some problems with that one. Like, okay, so, let's see. What would the beaver shark be? The head of a beaver and the body of a shark. Hmm. But the head of a shark and the body of a beaver. Now, that one I could probably go with. You know what I'm saying? But still, at the same time, I'm like, how does the creature breathe, though? But then again, swimming in the... No, I'm just I'm just really, really thinking how that would go down. Even though at the same time, I mean, it, putting something like that in a very dysfunctional way will help you sell stuff. I should have thought of that, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> just saying. So, you know what? Question mark on that one, okay? Now, let's see. This one's called The Wog. A boggy pond near Winder is called... The Notorock by the local Creek Indians is a mud volcano that once seethed and bubbled, emitting smoke and giving the brown bog a hellish appearance. Sounds like a nice place to live. I wonder if the land's for sale. This was fitting, seeing as the Notorock is a Greek word that means gateway to hell. The Creek Indians of the 1800s had built a stone altar at the bog where they executed prisoners and tossed the bo- bodies into the bog to suffer there for eternity. Legend states that the Notorock is inhabited by the wog. The wog is a demon dog about the size of a small horse with long black furs and longer front legs than hind legs. Boy, that's funny. Um, According to the early history of Jackson County, Georgia, by historian G.J.N. Wilson in 1914, this gave him something of the appearance of a huge dog sitting on its tail. The monster had a long tail and a puff of white hair at the tip. The wog with its bear-like head has blazing red eyes and a forked tongue that sticks out at least eight inches from its tusked mouth. Although the wog lurked in the Notorock and swept the dead under the churning mud with its tail, 
In the 1800s, European settlers reported seeing the creature slinking around cabins and frightening domesticated animals to death. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I might go with that one. I might think that one's okay. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just like, what kind of... Okay, so let's see. Y'all ever watch Looney Tunes back in the day? Like, there was a dog called Belvedere. And he had, like, longer hind... He had longer front legs than hind legs. But he looked like... <laughs> his small his little hind legs were actually dangling behind him. And it was just, like, a weird appearance. That's that's what it kind of puts me in mind of when it comes to the wog right here. But then again, if it's a very fearsome creature and it can maul you and chew you up to death and at the same time turn you into paste where it can, like, slatter mud around you and stuff and waiting for the next body to come in, maybe it's not something to laugh at entirely. Maybe not. But, you know, it's just one of those kind of weird things right off the bat. Oh, check this out. You know, Indiana has this thing called the Beast of Busco. <laughs> okay, let's read that. In 1890, let's see, in 1898, former, no, 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 no. Who wrote this thing? You know, like, proofreading is really important. Okay, so let's try to make some sense out of this. Okay, in 1898, farmer Oscar Folk claimed to have seen an enormous snapping turtle in a lake on the farm near Tarus Bosco. Dubbed Oscar by the locals, the giant turtle was only a story until two fishermen, Aura Blue and Charlie Wilson, saw the creature in the lake in the 1948, according to the Columbus Republic. They claimed that the turtle weighed at least 500 pounds. Wow, that's a big that's a big beast. Uh, Gail Harris, who owned Folk Lake, also saw the creature and said he was going to capture it. The legend had grown, so apparently had the turtle. Reports had the shell being as big as the roof of a car. Although Harris drained the lake, the turtle was never found. But that doesn't stop Charles Busco from hosting its Turtle Day festivals every June. Hmm. You know, um, that, that's pretty interesting. I wonder, you know, honestly, I wonder what it would be like to capture one of these things. You know what I'm saying? And it wouldn't be like Pokemon entirely. Like, if I ever did get the chance to capture a legendary creature, would I keep them around? Or would I feed them Doritos and then at the same time domesticate them? Actually, it'd be best if I didn't capture them. You know what I'm saying? Because I know I am sometimes. And I know I'm pretty good with animals. Don't get me wrong. I am. But I just know this. They'll never leave. It's like sometimes when I'm hosting jams and the jam fam never leaves. I'm like, oh, come on. You know, like, <laughs> nah, I'm not trying to throw shade on them. What I'm saying is, is that, like, I love them dearly, but I know when it's time to go, it's time to go. But, of course, though, you know, there's little things like that. But, you know, to capture a giant monster turtle like that, you know, and but the thing is, I'd be cool with him, and he'd be cool with me. And then, like, you know, I could go to the dog parks and stuff like that, and he'll be right there with me, you know, as he goes and he does his business. And I stand there, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that's all right, beast. That's all right, beast. You know what I mean? It's just me and a monster turtle walking around. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. You know, I actually did have this dream one time where um, everybody else had dogs. My lady has her cats. I have a pet alligator. <laughs> yeah that would be wicked you know what i mean like walking around with a gator and stuff you know and then like at the end of the day i'm just sitting there chilling i call him g money he calls 
Well, he don't call me anything. He just looks around, and I'm just hoping he doesn't eat me. But the funny part about it is that would be wild, just walking around with a pet alligator. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Uh, speaking of which, we got another one called um, Mill Race Monster. And see, this I'm in the uh, Illinois section of the book. And see, right off the bat, this stuff has probably been um, improved and upgraded over time. Because this is kind of an old book that I'm reading right now. But it's not bad. Let's see. Two groups of girls in Mill Race Park in Columbus on November 1st, 1974, reported encountering a green, hairy, and large monster. The first report was at 3 o'clock p.m. The second was at 11 o'clock p.m., according to the Columbus Republic. During the 11 o'clock p.m. encounter, the monster jumped on the victim's car and left claw marks in the paint. Days later, city dog catcher Rick Duckworth claimed to have seen the creature and described it to the newspaper as looking like a person wrapped in blankets and wearing a mask. The park became flooded with monster hunters, so much so that the city had to close the park from dusk till dawn, stationing police around the entrance to turn away thrill-seekers. Although the sightings stopped as quickly as they began, the legend of the creature has left its mark on Columbus. Hmm. Hmm. You know, if I ever do the Grand Tour, because I know some people in Chicago, uh, I got to take a little stop over there to Mill Race Park. And, you know, I'm just saying, it would be nice to see that, you know? But, you know, considering my situations from time to time, I wouldn't be surprised if I actually encountered some of these things. But once again, I just know, like, even though it would make me a millionaire to snap a photo of it, would I do it, though? What would be the moral choice? What would be the right thing to do? To disturb and cause so much wreckage, or to leave it alone and go home penniless? I'm going to let y'all figure that one out. That's food for y'all. Like, for me, on the other hand, it really depends on the day. Yeah, you know. And, of course, here's another one dealing with snakes. But, you know what? We'll, we'll talk about that one at another time. Uh, as for me, myself, um, I'm sitting here, like, looking at some parts of, like, the Monster Fest movie list. And see, like, the Monster Squad is actually on it. And it's nice revisiting uh, this film. It's kind of like a modern-day Monster Rally, you know? I kind of wish they made, like, a little sequel to it, but at the same time, it holds its own. And it should be talked about as much as, say, like, Lost Boys and Fright Night. Like, just looking at this whole thing again, like, everybody plays their role. And then, you know, Tom Noonan does a great Frankenstein monster. And then, like, um, I forget who's playing as the Wolfman, but he did a decent job as well. And then, of course, you know, Dracula. Like, it's just really, really nice. So, you know, for me, I would like to say that it might have not been stellar when it came out, but age got to it, and then, like, Shout Factory re-released it, and then, like, everybody's watching, and it's always on Amazon Prime. If you have never seen this movie, I highly recommend you do take a look at it. Because clearly, like, just all the enjoyments of it, it's kind of like, you know, if you take House of Frankenstein meets the Goonies, if that's the best way I can put it. And I would go ahead and say, like, this is definitely a, well, it's not a five, but it's definitely a four bloody knuckle film. You know? I can go ahead and let you guys know that. And then the same thing I can go ahead and say about Sabretooth, which is also on Amazon. Uh, a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people gave it like one star or two stars. I give it three stars because, you know, it's meant to be cheesy. It's meant to be like one of them Saturday afternoon movies that you look at and then you're like, hmm, 
Yeah. And then some people get put off by, like, the nature of the characters. Because some of them, you know, they're not exactly fleshed out. But, you know, the way the story goes, you're too invested to care. At least for me. At least for me it was. But, you see, like, it dealt with dealing with a genetically modified saber-toothed tiger that actually broke out of its containment. Because, once again, the handlers weren't careful. So it started ravishing the area of, um... The area of it wasn't California, I don't think. It probably was. It probably was mountain, mountain, the mountain areas of California. Yeah, it was most likely, because it, it's either that or Nevada. Usually with these films, but um, as I look at it, like it was pretty good. It, it wasn't bad. It was just like one of those kind of films that you know, Blumhouse or let's say the Asylum would work on. So, and, and when the Asylum's actually good. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that gets a three. Okay, uh, also, let's see. This one is called Cannibal Troll. Cannibal Troll is one of those, if you like dealing with troll kind of movies. Now, see, I always liked dealing with trolls ever since I saw Cat Eye when I was little. Okay, it was called Cat's Eye, but, you know, whatever. I'm getting to the point. This This big-ass monster here doesn't play. When it's on screen, it is ready. To, if you do not... Come quietly. It will force you along. And if you even try to resist, he will snap your neck three ways that Steven Seagal would be like, damn. You understand what I'm saying? But that's only when he's on screen. When he's not on screen, the movie just prots along and it just, you know, you're just always looking to see, is the troll coming back? That's the only reason to watch this movie. Because, like, there's a little bit of about of a bridal shower, and then, like, in the beginning, the first couple, like, I was wondering why they were captured, but it turns out that the lady explained that they were captured during their camping trip. But in the end, I'm kind of wondering exactly what is the troll wanting to do. But, you see, I realized that most of the people are pissing the troll off, so I never find out. But maybe the troll's trying to get a bride. Who knows? But right off the bat, we don't really we don't really see it and it's not really clear why he's doing what he does but i do know that the priest in the movie is no help at all and is a real jerk and then got the nerve got the nerve to be like forgive me my lord i must protect myself i was like but but as a man of the cloth you're supposed to be protecting the people you're supposed to provide sanctuary and then he said he's like you you know i told him not to go out in those woods and that was like his big excuse for everything. But it was very satisfying to see that the troll actually take care of him, though. That's what I like. When a priest is not living up to what the standards are supposed to be, and I'm not talking about like any of the controversy that modern-day priests do, but in these movies, though, they're supposed to be that big good. It's supposed to be a way of resistance against this great evil. And usually they're not the cure, Okay. Because usually they get stomped down a lot worse than the other people that were the victims that weren't even saintly. If that makes sense. But in this particular film, yeah. It's satisfying only when the troll's on screen. So, as for everything else, where it prots along, I I gotta give it a two. Two bloody knuckles for that. And yeah, there will be print versions of these reviews as I give them to you. I just wanted to go ahead and throw them your way as I am doing the show tonight. Uh, speaking of which, um, there is also somebody else that is on the Monster Fest Showcase. And that's on J360Productions.com. And shout-outs to Precog Zero. You guys have made it. Like, so far, we actually have had four right now, right? We have ZXSP. 
we have Eyes Keen, and we've had um, Venom 11, and now we got Precog Zero. So I wonder who's going to be next for, you know, what's coming up. And to get on the showcase, what it is, it has to be a music video. It could, most likely I would prefer a Halloween-esque music video for it. And then you got to let me know about it at least. And then you just point me in the right direction and I'll go ahead and I'll set up everything for you. And then not to mention like what the links are that you would like visitors to go click in order to keep up with you. It's no different than say like when you submit for jams, you're just letting me know about your music video. See what I'm saying? So that's the way that kind of works. And speaking of which, since Friday will be coming along again, I do have to go ahead and do some adjustments for Album of the Week. And I want to give a small little shout out to Bunny X for finally releasing their first album. Way to go, girls. You deserved it. And I will go ahead and announce that they will be on Album of the Week. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anytime you guys release your albums and stuff and you're making big moves... Let J-Man know so I can go ahead and let everybody in the J360 Legion know. This is, you know, your achievement. We might as well just tell the whole universe about it. But, hey, I know, like, uh, tonight's episode wasn't exactly delving into the scary factor, but it's letting you know about certain creatures that are out there. Hey, guess what? I can't go ahead and give you guys murder all the time. We'll be running out of victims. So, (laughs) we'll just pick up on it for the next one coming. And uh, speaking of which, uh, your deadline for jams is actually at 5 o'clock p.m. tomorrow. So if you didn't make the cut for that, it's not going to be on 33. Matter of fact, it'll be on 34. I Believe me, I'm ready to go with this. So, you know, as we go through the Monster Fest and everything, things are getting lined up and things are getting knocked out. It is going to be amazing. And uh, speaking of which, though, I want you all to take care of yourselves. We'll be back again for, let's see, like there won't be a show tomorrow. Well, I'll be on a different show tomorrow. I'll be on State of the Art tomorrow. But you guys take care of yourselves, and we will catch up again later. Peace. (laughs) 